Hello, this is Patrick. Patrick Paxton, it's Kim Burns calling from What's the Story? Hey, how are you? You know what, I'm fine. I'm here in New York, and of course you're in Washington where all the action is, and I'm calling to get an update. I, I, I mean, we're not gonna be here all day, but you're gonna have to clue us in on the latest while we can talk as the president is out of the country. Yeah, well, you know, there's a really a lot going on, and probably the most significant of which is that the Republicans got together today, in the Senate particularly, and basically gave a message to White House officials that we're not going to pass your stinking tariffs on Mexico, so just forget about it. Is that right? Um, yeah, which is probably the biggest pushback against Trump if they follow through with it. Uh, since Trump has taken office, literally, it's that big. Well, can you explain why this in particular is something that they're willing to push back on when there's so many other things that they're not and so many people are surprised by that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it is that the trade across the U.S.-Mexican border is billions and billions of dollars. Um, many U.S. companies have their manufacturing facilities now in Mexico. Uh, many, uh, what, much of what we eat in this country is grown in Mexico now. Right, don't uh, let me, don't take away my avocados. Yeah, your avocados and your tomatoes and uh, uh, all sorts of other berries and lettuce and you name it. So um, it's just a huge cross-border trade. And I think Republicans have never liked tariffs historically. Uh, it's only Trump who's embraced tariffs. And I think uh, China's one thing is a lot of people feel that we kind of got screwed with China. But right. with Mexico, the trade has been beneficial to many, many American companies. And they are pushing back behind the scenes. They're pushing back to their lawmakers. And the lawmakers are pushing back against Trump. And the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, by the way, the biggest lobby in Washington, hates these tariffs. So that's a whole coalition of forces enough to push back against Trump. Now, does this have nothing to do with uh, the, the border wall problem? Uh, yeah, I'd say it pretty much has to do, has nothing to do with the border problem. Right. Um, uh, the, the trade, the legal trade across the border is huge. I mean, if you've ever been down on the border recently, uh, and I have, I mean, the truck traffic across that border, whether you're in Texas, California, Arizona, New Mexico, is enormous, mm -hmm. and um, uh, it also helps U.S. border towns as well as Mexican border towns thrive on that trade. So I think this has absolutely nothing to do with the border wall. But it doesn't have to do with the, the border wall where Trump is concerned on seeking some sort of revenge or vengeance? Well, I mean, Trump thinks it has something to do with the border wall. He thinks he can force Mexico to stop uh, migrants from moving moving north from Central America through Mexico to the U.S. Right. That uh, is probably a false narrative. Mexico has stepped up its deportations dramatically of Central Americans back to their home countries. Uh, it's something like four hundred thousand in the last year. Yeah, I mean, so that's it's not doing Mexico. Really it's not not doing Mexico any favor to have all of those people streaming through. It, it, it does. I mean, Mexico has been fighting this, perhaps not as hard as we would like them to fight it, but right. they have been fighting it. And the other thing is is the is the replacement for the NAFTA treaty, the U.S., North uh, Canada, and Mexico treaty, is pending before Congress. And most Republicans want that to pass very badly. And for Trump to sort of 
interrupt the flow of that legislation, which takes it has several procedures it has to go through in both the House and Senate, the Republicans are hopping mad at Trump for that too. I mean, it's been really a strain to get this replacement treaty for NAFTA uh, written and approved by Canada and Mexico, and Trump threatening more tariffs in the middle of that, most Republicans feel is just stupid. Well, and then I think it's wonderful that he hops across the pond to give advice on Brexit, you know. Yeah, really. I think I'll go to England and tell them how to run their country, even though they are having problems right now. I know. But I think I'll give them some advice. So that's good. I mean, that's a, it, puts a, it puts a little smile on your face when there's not much to smile about. I mean, uh, obviously, the biggest fight going on for women everywhere is what is going on uh, with these abortion states, uh, you know, whether it's Alabama, Missouri, Ohio. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, can you give me an idea? I mean, I, we all know that uh, there is an issue, you know, with the, who's on the Supreme Court and catering to, you know, yes. the far right. Uh, but I can't believe that nobody doesn't understand the uprising that's going to occur with the women in this country. Uh, I mean, Patrick, please explain. Well, that, I mean, I hope Republicans understand that. We just did a story this week here at CQ Roll Call where we looked at uh, the number of donations in the first quarter of this year by women uh, to uh, Democratic candidates, both congressional and presidential. It's way up over 2016. So, you know, if the Republicans don't understand this, they are going to get hit by a wave of female donations, a, a wave of female activism. Uh, and I think they go down this road at their own peril. A lot of smart politicians, Republican politicians in the House and Senate understand that, uh, but they're being carried forward by some conservative state legislatures and conservative governors, uh, Missouri and Alabama being two, uh, and uh, they're having a hard time dealing with this, honestly, but it's, it's stirred up the female base of the Democratic Party and independents too, and uh, this may cause a backlash that uh, the Republicans may regret. Well, I can't imagine that it won't. I'm talking with Patrick Pexton, Washington, uh, a reporter and journalist. And obviously you have people like Senator Kirsten Gillibrand uh, from New York, from here from, you know, who is uh, a presidential candidate. And there, I, it's obvious that she's going to go after this. But what, what we're all trying to figure out and what she's talking about is she's talking about the nationwide assault on women's constitutional rights, because I don't really believe there's any other way to look at this, uh, particularly when you take it to the extreme of the reasonable test. Uh, if you could sort of explain right. that a little bit about why, is it so extreme what they're trying to do because they're just uh, going for broke? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the state legislatures and the, the, and the conservative right, the Christian right, really want to tee up this fight at the Supreme Court. They think that there is five votes to overturn Roe v. Wade um, because of the Trump's new justices, just, Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, I think that's overplayed. I think a lot of court watchers think that's overplayed. It is true that Justice Kennedy, the most recent one to retire, was a swing vote on abortion and usually sided with the folks who said there ought to be access to it. Uh, we don't know, but Judge Kavanaugh clerked for Justice Kennedy. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know how exactly how just, Justice Kavanaugh will vote. We also know that Justice Roberts, the Chief Justice, uh, although a Catholic and goes to the same church as Kavanaugh, 
is pretty moderate and doesn't like to overturn things. So he could be a vote to overturn these laws. It's clear that these laws are squarely against Roe v. Wade, which essentially says that uh, before the third trimester, abortion is legal. And then in the, the most recent decision that, that modified that said um, their states can put restrictions on abortion, but they cannot have an undue burden on a woman's right to seek an abortion in the first two trimesters. Right. That's what the law says. And these laws clearly violate that. It was just, it's up and down regardless. That court would have to overturn Roe v. Wade to go along with these laws. I don't think that will happen. Well, and I think Justice Roberts, if anything, is reasonable. So the reasonable test for him, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I can see him shaking his head. Uh, it, it, it sort of, the insanity of thinking that, you know, sexually abused girls, uh, you know, people who, you know, rape, incest, whatever, have no rights. And I'm also sort of wondering where the conversation is going with who is responsible then once these babies are born, these unwanted babies. There's no discussion about that. There is only the discussion of supposedly punishing the woman, which of course goes back to what, you know, Trump said a couple of years ago when he was running. Uh, and then sort of retracted it. Uh, but what what about that? Because that's really what it feels like. It's, it feels like they're punishing women, and I we don't get it. Yeah, I think it, it looks that way to a lot of women, uh, particularly Democratic women, but a lot of independent women, too, and some Republican women, by the way. So, I mean, it, it really looks harsh. Uh, and the laws, as you read the laws that are passed by the states, they're pretty unreasonable. Uh, not only, you know, they bar even an abortion in the case of rape or incest, but just the way they're written, if you read the language, it, they're really almost anti-women in the way they're phrased, and they're not very knowledgeable medically. Uh, and the other thing about this is that there are other approaches uh, to abortion. Some of the presidential candidates have been talking about this on the campaign trail. Uh, John Hickenlooper in particular, who, who did a very interesting program in Colorado where they basically made... Um, IUDs and the more permanent kinds of birth control for women available free of charge throughout the state at public health clinics. And then after he did that over two years, the teenage pregnancy rate and the abortion rate went down like by half, a huge, a huge amount. So there are other approaches. If you really want to limit abortions, there are other approaches to do it besides just banning it outright. Yeah, but you know, it's, seek it anyway. but what the struggle is, is that uh, taking, uh, you know, away, uh, any sort of dollars from like a, a Planned Parenthood, which supplies those types of uh, either birth control or health services to women uh, who don't have money, um, who are in rural areas, what have you. Uh, but that cuts down on, you know, getting pregnant. Okay, getting pregnant. That's how, you know, you, that's what you have to get pregnant before you have to have an yeah. abortion. I mean, so uh, is anybody talking about, well, what if it wasn't Planned Parenthood? What if it was something that didn't have that name but acted the same so that we could help some of these people before they got into dire straits? Yeah, I think if, 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 you, if the two sides could actually talk to each other, besides speaking past each other, maybe more of that could happen. Uh, but it's so polarized, those kinds of discussions aren't really taking place. The, the right sees this as the root of all evil, and uh, particularly in state legislatures, a little less so in Congress, and uh, they're going full forward. They want to test this. I think they're going to make a big blunder by doing so. 
Now, I read something recently, uh, you know, Clarence Thomas, boy, you know, that's a that's a tricky guy. Uh, but yeah. uh, there was something linked to what's happening with these abortion laws and eugenics in the past. Uh, yeah, he, he uh, talked about this, wrote about this in one of his, uh, uh, in the opinion that just came out a week ago on the Indiana law, which is one that was, uh, the court kind of had a split decision on it. it turned aside some of that law and let some of the law in Indiana go forward. But he was talking about eugenics in the sense that uh, it's a pretty odd point of view, but he was saying that this is a way to uh, to allow abortions as a way to kill black babies. Um, and, and he mentioned eugenics, which was this theory back in the early part of the 20th century of racial purity that America embraced in part for a few years. And he hearkened back to that and said, well, abortion is part of eugenics. It's part of purification of the race, and it's going to hurt uh, black people because the abortions disproportionately are, are done uh, on black women. Although that's probably not true, by the way. Uh, but um, that was really bizarre. A lot of people looked at that and go, where is Justice Thomas coming from? That people were just scratching their heads over that one. Yeah, I think that's a really, that's a really tough call. Uh, and I... You know, to me, I look at, uh, you know, some of the the homes with African-Americans where the mother is running the household with quite a few kids. And I don't see a, a situation where they're disproportionately getting abortions. Uh, that's not even something that's crossed most of our minds, has it? Uh, I don't think that crosses many people's minds. I mean, it really, I've been inside abortion clinics. I was a reporter covering this issue many years ago. Uh, it's been a few years since I've been in a Planned Parenthood clinic, but I've actually been inside them, spent hours and hours talking with women who do get abortions. And really, it depends on where the abortion clinic is. If it's near uh, lower-income black neighborhoods, there's more black women getting abortions. Right, of course. If it's income white areas, there's more white women getting abortions. Sure. And it's not really, it's not uh, disproportionately one or the other. It's more based on where the location is. Right. And if you ever spend t- t- time talking with women who get an abortion, if you think they come in there willy-nilly, uh, just to abort babies, then you have another thing coming. This is an anguishing decision for most women. They come at it from many different ways, but guys are often there when they get the abortion. Uh, it's often a family decision. It's often it's women from 14 to 45 who, who undergo abortions, and uh, it is Planned Parenthood plan parent clinics. Are, you see a cross-section America, and you spend a day in one, I'll tell you. Well, you know, I think that's always been the case. If anybody would take the time to actually talk to people who have had to either suffer through an abortion or on the other side, I'm not been able to get an abortion and be, you know, stuck with a a situation where they have to give the baby up for adoption because it was a rape situation or whatever. I mean, there is there is pure anguish everywhere. But to pile on by making women feel like there will never be a choice. So no matter what happens to you, you're you're stuck and we're not sure who's going to take care of you. Um, I know last week, Busy Phillips (laughs) was up there. She was up on Capitol Hill. I don't know if you were if you were clued into that, Patrick. Uh, she grew up. I was not there that day, so I, did, I missed that. But uh, I, I know of her appearance. Yeah. Well, she wanted to talk about the uh, how sad she was at the age of fifteen uh, to have to have an abortion. And the point is, is that uh, you know, women everywhere who have been through this just you know they they live with it their whole lives and. 
by taking away their rights is doesn't mean that that's going to get better because having the child or whatever can be much more detrimental because then there's a child out there that's unwanted or what have you and the mother's life is still ruined in a way yeah no it's there's just a lot of the discussions around abortion and uh reproduction that are kind of stale and don't go very deep people for example people don't talk about when couples are trying to have a baby and they have a hard time with it and they go ahead in vitro fertilization, uh, what happens is several eggs are fertilized and the doctors use the best one and reimplant it in the woman. What happens to the other eggs they're either destroyed or used for research? Where are the abortion people on that? I mean, there's just a medical science is actually way more advanced than abortion now. And I think these discussions have become very black and white and stale and actually ignorant of scientific technology. And um, it's more about ideology than it really is about reality and what people go through in their daily lives, what women go through in their daily lives. Well, yeah, right. uh, It's really too bad and it's unfortunate. Well, I I read something the other day because obviously the the whole point is you know when does this become a, a, a human and some and uh, somebody wrote into the times and said well as far as I remember tomato seed is not the same as a tomato so uh, yeah I mean that was pretty that was pretty clear and I said all right that works for me that works for me well, well the, the the doctors say that like there's some of these bills are six weeks bills is that you can't have an abortion after six weeks uh because that's when the heartbeat is beginning to be felt right it is true that uh, fetuses will have a, a pulse at, at, at six weeks there's no brain matter yet there's not even a mass of, of the brain cells in the brain at that point so uh i mean it's uh, these debates how many angels can dance on the head of a pin it's right. also right. depends a lot on your faith and how you look at things but um the bills as written, these ones coming up through Alabama and Missouri and other places, are stark and allow for no uh, ambiguity and no and very little compassion, honestly. Yeah, I know. Um, and, and I really have to question, um, you know, where men are in this role uh, as far as the men. Yeah, never talked about. What if, what if the, the Christian right passed a bill saying that, okay, if you're going to have a child, that man's DNA has to be uh, in the system and he has to take some responsibility for that child for the rest of his life. Well, this um, is the part that I'm trying to figure out. You know, it's funny because I know there is a, some sort of animal, I don't remember its name, that can, uh, you know, uh, have a child conceive and, and, and have a child on its own without a partner. Um, but it's not possible in human life. So, uh, right. uh, so why why are women? I mean, they're not doing. They're not walking down the street and saying, "Oh, boom, that's it." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, oh god. Suddenly, why? The, how did this happen? Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. And you know, I'm I'm actually stunned that there isn't more work on the part of both the left and the right, of both Republicans and Democrats, to have more laws that ensure the responsibility of the man for this and uh, at least shared responsibility. And it's amazing that neither side really talks about that very much. All right, well, we've said it here. So I've been, you know, you don't want to hear me when this topic comes up in my house because I've, I've, I've got three sons and, you know, and a husband. So I'm like, listen, guys, you know, let me tell, let me tell you a thing or two. But uh, anyway, moving on to something lighter, how's it going with uh, the impeachment? I mean. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a light subject. Uh, I think really the, the question about impeachment um, 
as a matter of politics, the Democrats are divided on this. Nancy Pelosi, who has, I would, most people would argue, has been very effective in winning back the House last time and steadying her caucus in the House, uh, is, it's not that she's against impeachment. She doesn't want to bring impeachment hearings until the case against Trump is so overwhelming that it's just blatantly obvious to everyone that this should happen. Um, now, it may be blatantly obvious to people already that that should happen, but that's not where she is. That's not where all the members of her caucus are. A lot of these people who won in 2018, members of the House, won by very narrow margins, and they won in purple districts that voted for Obama, that voted for Trump, and she's thinking about them retaining their seats. So uh, although the facts may argue for impeachment or the lawyers may argue for impeachment, uh, that's not where Nancy Pelosi is, and don't expect her to go down that road very fast because she kind of thinks that it's better just to defeat Trump badly next time, A, and B, says we want the case to get to the American public so completely that a good number of independents will be on board with Democrats and pushing for this. Well, I think Nancy's being very smart, and from what I understand, because I don't understand anything about what Robert Mueller spent the last two years doing, because he's not telling anybody, but what I do understand is there's no impeachment without indictment. You don't indict a sitting president. Um, so maybe you could tell me that. And maybe you could tell me uh, why so why so quiet, Mueller? I, I know pe- well, people are. I think the, the key thing is um, I would urge all Americans read the report. Is 400 pages long to read? Yes, it is. Read the report. If you don't come away from that thinking that, wow, this was bad then there's probably, you don't have very good reading comprehension skills. So that would be step one one. And he feels that the report speaks for itself. If you've read it, I think you would think that as well. If you've read every page of that, and I have, you would think that the report speaks for itself. But what can can the people do who are reading it? What kind of power do the people like yourself have? I mean, the key thing about part one, it comes in two parts. Part one is about Russia. If reading all the evidence about what Russia did, in the election in 2016, uh, if you're not convinced that this was a pervasive, systematic, organized, massive t- uh, attempt to affect the U.S. election, then you're crazy. Right. That's part one. Part two is, did Trump try to obstruct the investigation that the FBI was conducting into the Russian interference? And Mueller very clearly said in his press conference last week that if we had thought that the evidence turned up nothing against Trump, we would have said so. That's not what we did. Right. It has 12 citations in there where the conduct of the president may be considered obstruction of justice. Right. But he said he will not, he said it is not the place of the criminal justice system, the Justice Department. It is not the place of the criminal justice system to convict or, or kick out of office the president. Right. That is under our Constitution, that only happens in the Congress. And so he's very clearly saying, especially if you read part two, which is all about obstruction, this is the job of Congress to punish a president however they see fit. It is not the job of the criminal justice system. So what's, con- what so what's going to happen? What's Congress going to do? Anything? Uh, I think they will slowly move toward impeachment. They will continue to gather witnesses. I think they will put Mueller up. Uh, to speak publicly, he will only again repeat what's in the report. Right. But there may be some value in that, uh, in more detail. Um, and I think they will slowly. The desire that the Democrats want to do is slowly build a case so that it becomes so overwhelming that people uh, say, "Yeah, you should have impeachment." 
Now, that means this, I still don't think the Senate will vote impeachment for Trump uh, under any circumstances because McConnell has them so tightly controlled. I don't think he would let that happen. But there may be value in if the, if the House impeaches, which means just formally charge Trump, and they send it on to the Senate for a trial, the Senate has to conduct the trial. That means both sides give evidence. And uh, that would be an illuminating moment for the American public, even if they vote to acquit. Right. But, but you know, we've had some such a struggle even getting a, a tax return. I mean, it seems the, the process that you just discussed, could <laughs> we could we would be very old people. Well, that could be true. But also, bear in mind, there's a lot of subpoenas and a lot of work going on by the various House committees to get more documents. And don't forget that the Southern District of New York is following at least four or five investigations still into Trump, not related to Russia, but related to his finances, related to Stormy Daniels. There's Those inquiries are still going forward, uh, and charges could come arise out of those. Poor Stormy Daniels. Boy, what a ripoff getting that guy for a lawyer. I know, boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the case of one loud, boisterous, boorish New Yorker, Donald Trump, uh, and another loud, boorish... Uh, New Yorker uh, Avenatti uh, clashing, and I don't think anybody came out ahead on that one. No, but I think Avenatti, I mean, talk about having a screw loose. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and maybe even some criminality in there. So, yeah. Uh, it's, not, it seems to be. Not the best be. lawyer to hire. Seems to be. All right, well, before yeah. before we say goodbye, tell me, uh, who who's your favorite? I, I know that uh, Brett Stevens is behind Biden, from what I've read. And, uh, you know, there's always Mayor de Blasio. I mean, really, <laughs> that is so crazy. I mean, it's kind of amazing that you've got 22, 23 uh, presidential candidates on the Democratic side out there. Uh, I don't have a favorite at this point. I think there's interesting things about all of them. Uh, maybe not de Blasio, <laughs> but uh, no. all the others. Um, and, you know, very interesting this week, both Ted, I mean, both uh, John Kasich and um, uh, Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, the very popular governor of Maryland, who are moderate uh, Republicans, decided not to take on Trump. I think that's hugely significant. Um, so the Democrats are going to have to take on this guy by himself. And, um We'll see what happens. Uh, some of the lower, I mean, uh, Elizabeth Warren is moving up in the polls steadily. Uh, she's getting a reputation as a fighter. People like that. Uh, so what if, what if you put Elizabeth Warren with a Joe Biden? How would that look? I uh, mean, like as running mates? Yep. Uh, that would look pretty good. Yep. <laughs> I mean, the thing I like the, the way Joe's handling himself is that He's kind of, you know, he's kind of letting the punches bounce off him, which is the way he needs to be. Yeah, he's kind of pursuing a rose garden strategy. I'm above it all. I'm a nice guy. You know, we'll just, we'll just do our thing here. I'm not sure that's going to last in the long run. It might be good for this phase of the campaign, mm -hmm. uh, but as we get into the debates and into the primaries, uh, he's going to have to be more active. Yeah, but you really can't fall for the name calling and the juvenile jabs because. Nobody can no, nobody can win that. Yeah, I think the Democrats will uh, uh, avoid that. I don't think they've done it yet, and I don't think they will do it. I think they see that that's Trump's game. They don't want to get down in that gutter. I don't think they'll go there. I hope not. I think everybody sort of learned what that was. I mean, yeah, right. I think people are tired of that. I hope. I mean, there may be forty percent of the country who still loves Trump for it, 
Right. But the other sixty percent, I'm not thinking they do. I hope you're right. I hope you're yeah. right. All right. Any yeah. any any last words from Washington? Anything else we need to know? Uh, it's a gorgeous day here today. Nice uh, spring day uh, with low humidity. Couldn't be prettier. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Patrick Paxton, reporter, journalist extraordinaire, for joining me today on What's the Story? Great. Thanks, Kim. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye.